The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to open up the hollowed halls of leadership. It's time to figure out what the secrets are to being a successful leader and running a successful organization. It's time for VoltCast Illuminating Leadership. Your host is Jeff Smith, an executive coach and business leader who has over two decades of forward-thinking executive leadership as a human resources and operations professional. Now, Jeff and his guest experts are ready to share their tips and studies with you. Now, here is Jeff Smith. Welcome. So glad you could be here with us today. We're here in uh, uh, Roanoke Valley of Virginia. It is another beautiful day. All I can say is Tuesdays are beautiful days. We've been doing this show for <laughs> 10 weeks, and every Tuesday has been a beautiful day. It's not a broken record. It, we do occasionally have a bad Thursday, but apparently Tuesdays are a good day. So today I have the distinct pleasure of having John Hagmeyer in with us. I'll do a proper introduction of John, but if you hear some chuckling in the background, that's John. And really want to give a shout out to everyone. I got a lot of emails this week uh, from a good friend, uh, Fahid, um, thanks for uh, reaching out to me. Um, it was ga- great to talk to you again. And a uh, great email from uh, the UAE. Several of my friends over there that I worked with at the Cleveland Clinic uh, gave a shout out about the time management tips from last week. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, you have some time management challenges, go back and listen to that. But let me tell you how to reach out to us um, during the course of the week or during the show. So this is Illuminating Leadership. I'm your host, Jeff Smith. You can reach me at... Um, Really, the, through the station, we'll, we'll do that throughout the show, but email is jeff at voltageleadership.com. Our website is www.voltageleadership.com. You can like me on Facebook at Voltage Leadership. You can connect with me on LinkedIn at Jeff Smith, Voltage Leadership Consultant, or follow me on Twitter at Jamie Jeff. So today, we're going to be talking to John about how do you go from being a teacher to an unexpected CEO? So our guest today is John, and John uh, started out as a school teacher, a coach, uh, working at, with at-risk kids, and really, you know, just passionate, thought that was going to be his whole career. But as he was working along the path, he discovered that there are some software technology needs for teachers in the classroom. So he'll tell you this story in a few minutes, but basically, he went and started his own company that grew to 100, almost 100 employees at the time of sell. And so what we're going to do today is learn from John some about his background, what were some of the leadership lessons that he had and messages he'd want to pass along to other leaders and see what they are going through in their journey and how can he relate to them? So John is uh, married to Mary, has a daughter, Jaden, uh, is a world traveler. We were talking about this at lunch a little before this, and uh, he's been here, there, and everywhere. But I know that you guys are going to enjoy meeting with John. So John, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Jeff. Uh, I'm real excited to be here, and I'm excited to talk about uh, all the things I did learn over the over the last uh, 10 years. Well, we call this illuminating leadership, you know, yeah. and so today will be uh, much more of a lessons learned from sort of the CEO seat and uh, what what critical lessons did John learn and how do you go about, about um, you know, figuring this out because it wasn't easy, you know, no, and, no, and, you know, John and I worked together during this stretch of time. Uh, I was his coach, uh, helped facilitate with his teams and I really saw John grow and so this was a wonderful partnership with people on his team, but I guess, John, you know, for the audience, 
you know, why'd you even want to become a teacher or coach? You know, it starts back oh, there. Oh, wow. All the way back there. Uh, I would say Eric Vitebeck, uh, Joe Acker, um, uh, Brian Johnson, uh, just different uh, teachers in my life and coaches in my life. And um, uh, uh, Larry Gray uh, mm-hmm. was my principal and um, uh, really helped me uh, understand I, I, I was a lot smarter than I came across. I was a lot smarter than uh, I thought I, uh, I was and um, really helped me get to the next level. And, and when you have that experience uh, in high school and you are an at-risk student, um, uh, when I got to college, I, on, the day, on the day I walked into college and talked to my counselor, I said, uh, you know, I want my history major, but I want, I want my teaching certificate because I'm going to teach. I knew that the day I walked into college. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe fast forward us a, a bit here. So you become a teacher, coach, mm-hmm. uh, assistant principal, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, what did you enjoy about the role? And what were maybe a couple leadership lessons you learned while you're a teacher and a coach? You know, at the time, this was really interesting from what I'll talk from uh, uh, as you transform to uh, seeing the whole picture. Mm-hmm. So I used to always say I, my gift was with at-risk kids. You put okay. me with uh, a college-bound student. I was that's what we actually labeled them that way: non-college-bound and college-bound. Hey, way to go on that one! <laughs> Good you know, yeah, yeah, that's great to have that label. Woo. Uh, so, um, uh, but I used to always say that. When really, if I look back on it now, I love working with people. Mm-hmm. I, I love trying to help people get to the next level. That was my strength. Now, whether that was with students, so my first lesson in it's more than just students was when I became an assistant principal. Mm Because a lot of people say, well, I can't affect kids. I I won't have that same effect. And I learned very quickly, man, I have a greater effect as an assistant principal because now I have 30 great teachers. Benjamin Franklin Middle School, I had great teachers there at the 7th and 8th grade level and uh, really learned that. And so as a CEO, as I was growing through, as I did support you know, I I did marketing, I did sales, I did all those different things. But in the end, the, the where I had my greatest effect was on people okay. and getting people to be better than they were, and that or they thought they were. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that I made them better. It's just I just opened doors and showed them a different path, and that was my real gift. And that stemmed all the way back to kids. Right. That's what I did with that risk kids. Mm-hmm. Right. Because no one believed, and they. I'm not gonna say no one believed in those students. The students themselves didn't believe. Sure. Right. That's all it is. Right. That's what makes you at risk. Yeah. You don't have that confidence. Right. So uh, that's what that that whole trail I would say was a good a good path for me to to go on. Okay. To get get me where I was. Hey, thanks for sharing. That's um, you know I think a couple thoughts that I take from that. One. Um, this confidence that you saw in others that not everyone saw in themselves, right? right? Uh, I also know, having known John, this uh, risk, you know, and people that are at risk, you've always been willing to sort of lean in and walk beside a person and Mm -hmm. help guide them. And you've taken some of your own risk, you know? Uh, I can't think of any sort of bigger risk, though, than than starting this company called Interactive Achievement. And for the folks listening, uh, John has uh, started two different companies now. So he's done Interactive Achievement. He'll tell you that process in just a second. He's now the the CEO of Commonwealth Group. Uh, It's a private equity investing group. and so not once but twice you've gone through this process of sort of leaving the stable, maybe teaching, coaching world, and you go into this uh, high-risk uh, technology yeah. startup. Yeah. What, what was the idea for Interact Achievement? And let's just, you know, maybe give us a sense for the early beginnings of that. You know, the idea was to allow teachers to see where a student uh, did not 
um, grasp when the, what they taught. Um, so we built an assessment software, but we yep. made it very teacher centric. Mm-hmm. Even though teachers didn't never teachers never wrote us a check. Uh, Central Office did. Right. Uh, it was based on teachers, mm-hmm. and uh, we tried to focus on that. We had great success in that. We had our failures too, but we had great success. Um, and then we built a longitudinal data system, and which you could look at the whole child mm-hmm. uh, from uh, grades, discipline attendance um, and so those two products one was a formative assessment and then we had longitudinal data and basically what we wanted to do just to sum up what what we saw was um, um, creating a product that solved the problem uh, in to where teachers needed to understand how do I use data mm-hmm. you know how can I use it quickly and how can I use it that it's just not complicated Right. How much data do we use today, society, that oh, nobody gosh. knows understand? Right. Absolutely. Right. So we didn't have seventy-five thousand reports. Mm-hmm. Right. We had seven. Right. And they're the seven that the teachers needed. We did, we did not complicate things. The other thing we did is is we really took care of the teacher. Right. We took care of the client. Mm-hmm. If you can't do that, I would say to anybody that's right now. Um, if you cannot take care of the client, then you're not going to be successful. Yeah, so I think there's uh, two great leadership lessons already, John. Um, the first one is understanding the perspective of your customer. Right. So I think that uh, having worked with your company, one of the things I saw that you were successful was you understood what it was like to be a teacher, yeah. what it was like mm-hmm. for those teachers, right. right? So I think it's understanding your customer's perspective. So for the listeners out there that are leaders, you know, do you really understand the perspective of your customers? The second one, um, I, I just would title Provide Fanatical Support. You know, it wasn't good enough. You understood that these teachers are, uh, as as one of the folks on your team like to say, they're kind of locked in the classroom all day. Right. And so you understood the type of support that was needed right. for them to be successful. And, you know, ultimately, in our achievement was the success. You know, if you were sort of maybe on this side of our break, you know, what's what's one or two things that were the, the key reasons why in our achievement was the success that it became? So the, the key was the, the hands-down uh, well, I'll say this: hiring people mm. that were honorable and selfish and generous, which we'll talk more oh, later. Yeah. That was we'll the key. That, yeah. yeah. So that that fed into we empowered them to go over the top and support. They didn't have to ask; they just did it. Right. Right. And so that was key to our success. The other key to our success is we learned how to get out of our own way. Mm. Um, I would say, you know, as I've been reflecting and. Uh, we're in the middle of writing a book and all these things. So you're really reflecting on a lot of different things. And there's so many things I could have said there, but probably the biggest key was when to get out of our own way. That wasn't just myself or the other founders. That was my teams as we built because as we grew and grew and grew, that doesn't mean I'm going to go from support rep to chief operating officer because I've been here the longest. Right. right? But we get that in our minds. Mm. But you still bring great we – found, we found a way to get out of our own way and put people in positions of their strength, including the CEO. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, um, what I'm curious about for you is um, why was it um, personally enjoyable? Because this, oh, this was a joy ride. Yeah. You know, so not the work. And yes, you, you came out of this nice financially. Yeah. But what was the yeah. joy for you doing this day in and day out? So there's two, two great joys. Okay. Joy was building a culture mm. in a company that was not so we, what we said is uh, we don't have to have nap pods and bat poles that, that wasn't culture culture was our who we were ah. so we had this culture of honorable unselfish and generous people and when you put that group of people into a room I'll call it into a room into this this area what came out of it we had the best time mm. every day and we treated each other that way 
right? So when you're not looking over your shoulder, you don't wonder who's at your back. And did he really mean that? Right. Is he lying to me? Yeah. What's he trying to manipulate? We didn't. We we had those, I'm sure, but not very often. And um, uh, that was fun. Uh, the second thing is every day we changed the kid's life. Mm. We were part of that. Now, the teachers, the ones that did it, right. uh, but we were part of it. And that was, oh, man, we used to, we used to have those conversations as a whole group of, right. of changing a child. What would you do today to change a child's Think about a guy writing code, mm-hmm. right? Then we'd ask, what, did, what code did you write today, right? And the support reps to the marketing to the sales to – and so that made it so much fun to get up every day and go to work. Oh, that's awesome. So, you know, a couple things here that um, as we start to head towards break in just a minute, um, find enjoy, be, so, be something you can care about, be passionate about. And believe me, I work with customers. They do all types of different things that they can find joy and passion about. Um, and making sure that your team connects to that mission, you know, so changing the lives of kids is a very honorable mission. We're going to talk more about that on the, on the backside of break, but it's also just making sure that people understand the mission and the vision and that we're all connected. Um, so today we are talking with uh, John Hagmeyer. John is the uh, CEO, former CEO of Interactivement, currently the CEO of Commonwealth Investment Group. And we will be back in two minutes right after this break. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You've heard of good things coming in packages. Well, maybe there's a little more to that saying. But when you think about it, packaging is one of the most important things that can represent your business. Tune into Ditch the Box with host David Marinak. Each week, we'll discuss flexible packaging, marketing, sales, and how it all comes together in one container. Lower costs, increased margins. Listen to the show. It might just save you a ton. Ditch the Box is heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Tired of wasting time and spending marketing money with little results? Are you looking for more leads, clients, and revenue in your business with predictable results? Tune in to Mojo My Business with the team behind Mojo Global, Ira Rosen, and Corey Michael Sanchez. Our program will showcase proven expert solutions that have helped countless businesses outsell the competition and gain massive market share. Mojo My Business can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1 866 472 5788. Again, that's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at VoltageLeadership.com. Now, back to VoltCast Illuminating Leadership. Welcome back, and this is Jeff Smith. I'm here with John Hagmeyer today. John is the former CEO of Interaction Achievement, and we've been talking about some of the leadership lessons that he learned during the time leading his company. So if you don't know John's story, missed the first part. He was a teacher and a coach and ultimately becomes the CEO of a company. And so one of the things that we talked about before the break was the importance of culture. And so I've asked John uh, if we could continue that conversation around 
why was culture so important? Who's mm-hmm. the sort of architect of your culture? And, yeah. and, and you know, I, I can imagine if I'm a listener, gosh, John, I'm busy. Who's got time for culture? Yeah, right. Well, I would tell you uh, make time. Uh, I would say make it important. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were very lucky in our sense, the way we were set up. My uh, my wife, who uh, was one of the original founders but never worked for the company, she focused in on culture. So she, she architected the culture. Okay. We were just out selling, building, mm-hmm. doing all we could to survive. Mm-hmm. You know, but she, she could focus in on that. She's um, uh, um, She was a, owns a real estate firm, part of that, and uh, uh, really involved in real estate, but took the time to do that. To where then she then uh, passed it off to our employees as we grew, and then I would say uh, Jack, uh, Jacqueline Lackey, and and others took it over and really started to grow. And what made that important was our culture being honorable and selfish and generous. Say uh, that again for me. So, so honorable. We, we call this hug. We call so it hug for the folks writing this down at home. I want yeah. you to hear this. So, so we wanted people that were, were honorable. Mm-hmm. And that were unselfish mm-hmm. and that were generous. Now, wait, unselfish and generous sound like they're the same thing. Yeah, no, they're completely different. Okay, well, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> completely different. There's a little inside traits. joke there. You yeah, know, a little so. inside <laughs> joke on that. Yeah. No, it, what it did for us, that, that was our culture. And what it did, that's how we hired. Okay. So the way we would set up, um, uh, the, your, your degrees weren't important to us. Your uh, technical abilities weren't that important. Your character, we cannot teach character. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Um, we really focused in on finding those people. And I mean people, I mean, we had, um, we had supporters. Uh, just a great story on that. This is before we even defined it. Sure. So even though we hadn't defined it, this is who we were. Okay. So when we did define it, it was off of what we've already done. So it wasn't anything, it wasn't this eureka moment. Okay. We just kind of summed it up and started speaking that way, okay. right? And so I had a support rep, I'll, I'll say Sam Lackey, um, who one well, was helping a teacher who uh, she printed off too many sheets. And um, she told Sam she's just, just freaked out because they were so poor in their district. She only had 400 sheets of paper. It's a true story. The next morning, uh, she walked into school 85 miles from where we were. She walked into school and he was standing there with a ream of paper. And he mm-hmm. handed it to her and he says, you're going to be okay. Got in his car, called me, said he's going to be late to work. Now, that, people say that's not scalable. Right. People were saying, well, you just can't do that. Mm-hmm. I would tell you this. Let, let your employees figure it out. Right. They'll figure out scalable. Yeah. When, when we went from Virginia to Louisiana, they started figuring out scalable. Yeah. CJ Page and his team, Angela Pope, I can start naming all these people. They started figuring it out when you hire on that culture. So what that culture did for us, it made us as a, an executive team to be every decision we made, we would ask, what's the honorable and selfish and generous thing to do? That let our managers do that. We treated our clients that way. Mm-hmm. We treated each other that way. We treated the community that way. So that was it's why I say if you're not focusing it in on your culture, you need to because it's going to be one of the main driving forces of your company of growth and how you can grow in a healthy way. So. Yeah, you know, I can hear some uh, the listeners. I, I just heard their eyes roll a little bit, like, "Oh, but, you know, you were successful, John, and yeah, you, you, know, you sold sure. the company and all that kind of stuff." But um, like, we're busy, don't you know? Sure. And you know, this caffeine-laden uh, world, sure. we're all attached to our smartphone. There's like, yep. you know, a seventeen thousand things to do. Yep. You know, um, really culture. I mean, you know, and so can you expound why, I guess, um, you invested the time, energy, and culture? Because I know early, you know, it wasn't so clearly defined. So what I know is that, 
Yeah, early, you were just as like everyone else. You're bootstrapping it. You're yep. trying to yep. get sales. And for people who don't know, like John and Mary put, you know, mortgage their houses and, yep. and did the fact, classic on fact, just for the record, the two houses we put up 10 years ago that didn't get released to the day we sold the company. <laughs> That's right. No matter how much our revenues went. So if you're all out there hoping, just, just suck it up. It's going to happen one day. But, yeah. but that's just part of life. You yeah. Know? yeah. Somewhere along the way, though, you start to realize that cultures really matters. It mattered a lot. Yeah. And so finding great people. Uh, I, ideas don't generate revenue. Interesting. People have to. Ideas don't generate revenue. Yeah, that's great. People do. Right, great right, people right, do. Right. And we started hiring great people. And then the last two years, uh, that culture, because we had built the culture, I could go out and find the, I will say, the pro team mm-hmm. from an executive team. I brought in a pro executive team that was just phenomenal. In fact, just to sum it up, is the last two years, I know, we took an investment. And for the last two years, I brought that team in. We grew five times in value in two years wow, because of that team. Hands down. Yeah, yeah something I want the, uh, our listeners to hear as well is that, you know, John didn't always have to pay top market. Later on in his career, he could afford to go and find the top talent. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to speak. Have you just speak to like um, taking a chance on some of the people that maybe weren't, you know, as mm-hmm. degreed. Right. I know you had a lot of oh, people yeah, in yeah. senior management roles that had high school degrees in yeah. a high tech firm and all that. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you talk about sort of hiring for the the pedigree versus right. sort of you know hiring to the characteristics of mm-hmm. your culture. So if we when we hired to our culture. And, and we had the support behind that yeah. to get them to where they needed to get to. You just can't mm-hmm. say, okay, you become good at this now. Uh, you have to have that support involved. When we started doing that, more of that than focusing on, well, this person has done this already, and, and here's all the things that they've, they've accomplished. They got their MBA, and they got all this. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't mean that person isn't a good person, yeah. but that's not what we focused on. Right. And when we focused on those, char- those character traits of our culture, uh, think of it this way. Uh, we had so much less uh, animosity mm-hmm. running around inside of our thing. So many less upset people on who was who was jockeying for what position and this. And we, oh, I would say genuinely, I would say ninety five percent of the time we're rooting for each other, mm-hmm. and that's the workplace you want to be okay, in, okay. where people are rooting for you, and that's right. why. Culture is so important. You want to build that kind of culture. You don't want the, so you want to hire the person, whether they're, uh, we had one kid on the GED. Right. That person on the GED within four years of working for the company made six figures. Wow. And 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 this is in a tech company. Right. And, and earned every penny of it. It was mm-hmm. brilliant. Mm-hmm. But, but if you just looked at him on paper, th- this was my life. But let me say this. We mirrored this company off of my life. Never on paper did I look like I should be successful. Okay. Never. Right. I, I was never the great student. Mm-hmm. I was never um, great at finances. I was never great at all these different things until I was pushed to become so. And when I had the true opportunity to do it, I rose to the occasion. Sure. So heart, desire, all those traits you really need to look for instead of just what was their GPA and, and, and their major in college, you know, so. As John mentioned earlier, we are uh, in the midst of uh, writing a book together with uh, with another one of his uh, mentors, um, Dr. Bill Long, and um, and Russ Ellis is is helping us a good bit as well. And John likes to play himself as this guy that's not very smart, <laughs> and you know all those kind of things. What what I have you for the folks listening in the audience though to know is that. John is off the charts on his ability to have uh, outstanding emotional intelligence, which means he knows how to read people. He knows how to network. He knows how to build uh, relationships and the value of relationships. Um, And so as we were working on this book, one of the things that just kept coming through was 
John really pays it forward. Like he doesn't ask for something from a relationship. What he does is he has the relationship and he does so many great things for the person in the relationship that they just want to do things for him. And so can you, you know, I know that uh, having talked to you and worked with you, the, mm-hmm. that relationships really matter. Oh, so, uh, you know, just, maybe let's spend a couple yeah. minutes about why why has relationships mattered so much to you and, and what advice would you give to some people right. listening out there? So not, there's nothing more important in life. Uh, and a relationship, by the way, is, is two people. Mm-hmm. It's not one just giving and the other one taking. That's right. You know, it, it, it is a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so how do you foster a healthy relationship? And, and, th- and then there's various ways to do that. And one of the one of the ways I found is know your role. Okay. Know, know what's needed. Mm-hmm. Everybody in a relationship has a role. Okay. Um, that doesn't make one role better than another role. It's just the key is what is your strength that you're bringing into the relationship? I always knew what my strength was, mm-hmm. right? And I got better at that strength and better at that strength as I honed in. A lot of people want to work on their weaknesses. Right. I would never work on a weakness. I have them. They're not getting any better. They're a weakness, <laughs> all right, people? This is going to happen that way. My staff knew that. My strengths, I would try to get better and better and better. And what I mean by that, I always wanted to help fix the problem, right? Because that's mm-hmm. part of my relationship. That's I can right. help you get better, right? right? Well, I started asking, what did you need? What do you need of me? Mm-hmm. Right? Ask that question. Right. You know, here we are, right? I would ask uh, my executive team, my leadership, where can I help you? Where where can I help you best as I grew into this and got better and more mature into these things? And then what that does is any relationship, if you can put everybody at ease okay. and nobody's wondering why are we doing that, you know, is there, what's, the, what's the back reason on this? What's the, if you can get away from all of that, the only way to do that is to get honest, get it out front and get it on the table. Sure. And that's how you build relationships. So the same thing I just said with our employees, we did the same thing with our clients. Okay, good. In our worst moments, we stood before them. Mm-hmm. And in our best moments, we stood before them. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have to wonder if we were. Right. They weren't back there wondering, is there anything in the back going? Is there anything, you know what I mean? Yeah, not totally. That's the relationship. So a relationship can vary from my wife to my best friends to my executive team to employees to the client. These are all relationships. And you foster them. And you build on them and you're honest in them and you keep them going because you never know where that's going to turn out. Mm -hmm. As my wife would say, you meet people and you try to do something with them quickly. And she said, why? And I said, how do I know where that's going to end up one day? Right. Right? Mm -hmm. Who knows? You don't know. It may never end up anywhere. Then no time lost after this point on. Right. But you never know where that can go. Yeah, so I think um, relationships is really important. I think it's one of the ones when I am working with all these clients across the world, um, we seem to be losing track of that. Mm-hmm. We're so busy on, you know, social media to email yeah. to yeah. like all these kind of things. Um, and so I, I really have respected John's ability to do relationships. And what I want you to understand too is that um, John connected with people before he knew that he had needs. And so he went out and found advisors. He um, worked uh, in communities and learned things. And so for the folks that are out there that come in day in and day out and you're working your 50, 55 hours a week, and you're just doing the same thing day in and day out, and you don't get out of the four walls of your organization, you're really missing out on some right. great thinking power, as well as, you know, when John was out and about, people would get inspired. They'd hear the story. They'd want to come work. And so when you're not out there building relationships, you're missing out on recruitment. You're missing out on best ideas. Right. Lots of other things. You know, John, anything else you want to say about relationships for the moment? Listen. Listen. <laughs> That's all I can say. Is you want to have a great relationship, then listen. Okay. And and that doesn't mean to placate somebody, but if you really want to have a true relationship, listen to one another, mm-hmm. right? And and from there build build from there because as long as you're forthright and honest, uh, you have to listen. That's the client. 
that your employees, because sometimes what they're saying you don't want to hear. So, <laughs> listen. So, so we have to take feedback too. Right? Absolutely. Right. That's only way to get better. As I like to say, feedback is a gift. It's just not one that's easily right. received. Yeah. Well, we, we used to say this. If you didn't fail or if our employees didn't fail, we didn't want them. Mm. And we want them to fail every day because then they risked it. They took yep. a little, they went a little bit farther than they should have because they didn't know how to do it. Yeah. And they failed at it. But guess what? They just learned how to do it. That's right. Right now, tomorrow, do it again. Mm-hmm. Fail something that new. Don't fail again the same because you fail again the same. Then we really don't want you. <laughs> but we gave them that. If you're not out there asking your employees to fail, then shame on all of you because they're never going to get better. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's, well, that's, a, that's a great one uh, to wrap up this section on. So uh, we'll be right back. Uh, you're listening to uh, Voltcast, Illuminating Leadership with Jeff Smith and John Hagmeyer. And we'll be back right back with you in two minutes. Thanks. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson, in The Sea Around Us, said, All at last, return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at voltageleadership.com. Now back to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. Hey, welcome back to uh, Jeff Smith here with John Hagmeyer, and we have been having a great conversation about leadership lessons and John's role within um, interact achievement and selling the business and just all things that he's learned. So what I want to go to is, um, you know, John, we were talking before the break about culture and how critical that was. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I know, though, is that the team really evolved over those years. So yeah. this was about yeah. a 10-year run, right. and, um, you know, I, I'm just wondering, like, what kind of role, how did your role change? How yeah. did it grow? How did it develop? Uh, and then, uh, you know, I know that we've got a, a listener on uh, that's wanting a question. So we'll get sure. to that. But let's start with that. Um, I would tell you that my role, I'll use myself, but all the founders changed our role. And um, uh, mine was changed over time. 
It did, but I was still trying to make sure the day-to-day and everything was running and still in my hands. And, and I did, and I will tell you guys, I, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be straight with everybody, is, is I wasn't really trusting the people I had put in mm-hmm. place to do it. And then once, uh, once I went out and I hired, and I'll say, Marcy Daniel and Tom Haas and Alex Ligaris, um, I put them with Richard Hammer was my VP of tech, and Jacob Gibson was my product uh, in sales, and then Rain Lang at the end. Once I had that team, it was really interesting. They used to say, let John Hagmar be John Hagmar. Ah. And let's go back to what my strength was, right? My strength is relationships and people. <laughs> and so I didn't have to do the day-to-day. Marcy Daniel, man, she ran that. She re- Marcy Daniel and Tom and the, all that team, they ran the company. Right. I got in the car, went out and drove, and met with the clients. I got out of my desk. I walked down. I guess I learned this after I sold it, but they would call it a John bomb. I yeah. would go down and sit next to an employee <laughs> and say, how are you changing the kid's life today? And they're, and they're working, like you said. I have all these tweets. I have all these emails. I have all these things. I got to get this done. And I'd make them sit and just pause. Pause and realize, Mm -hmm. what are we doing? Why is this more important than you trying to answer 47 emails right Uh, now? You're not going to get there. Right. I mean, that's okay. Stop, breathe, and enjoy for a moment, right? right. And so I put about 9,000 miles on my truck in six weeks and uh, just realized how awesome our support team was, how awesome our my executive team was, and literally I took myself away from the day-to-day, probably made one or two major decisions a month, mm-hmm. and the rest of the decisions were made by my team, and I trusted them to do it. And once I got out of their way, I was no longer the hurdle. We exploded in growth. Wow, that's great. Hey, come back in the uh, studio. I think we had a call. You want to patch it through? Hey, good afternoon, uh, John and Jeff. Fascinating uh, topic today. I'm really, really enjoying it. That's great. Um, you, you, this is Lee. I'm on my way to a client offsite management uh, offsite. And, John, you're touching on something. That I, I'm sorry. I know I'm unannounced. I had to call in and ask you this question because you're just touching on it right now. Um, getting the leader to trust their people and to not you know, make themselves an obstacle, to get themselves out of the way, that is, in our experience, some of it, some of the most difficult things to do. How do you get the right. person who is very high C or high D on the disc and you know, maybe even I want to tell you about it, how do you get them to stand down and turn their people loose and, and really build that trust bridge? And I'm going to hang up and listen to y'all, uh, your answer on the radio. Sounds great. Thank you. Thanks, Lee. Thanks. Um, yeah, that's a great question. How, how, you're asking how we did it. Here's how I would say, uh, I'm going to go back to my mentors. So I, I had three mentors, uh, Leon Harris, Russ Ellis, and Ken Ferris at the beginning, um, who really, really, um, I would say, massaged, guided, uh, got me to where um, uh, I needed to be on different levels of the growth of the company, along with having a board of directors. Uh, investor was great to have. All those things kind of played that role for me right. to learn it's okay to step aside once we go out and find the right people, mm-hmm. right? So I would never do that. I would fight that. You would never have gotten me to do it um, until I went out and I found I found top-notch people. What was really interesting, I would tell you this, the people that weren't ready for the next level on my team um, – we didn't fire them. We didn't let them go. They were great people. Right. We just put them in a role that their strengths mm-hmm. fit well, right? Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't like we, you know, just um, you know said, "Hey, everybody, goodbye." Um, uh, but I would tell you this. Here's what I would say to to anybody who's not willing to let go. You don't trust the people that you have working for you. Change that first. 
Get your culture set. Change that to where you learn how to trust. And what's it going to take you to trust somebody? Give them a chance. So Marcy and I, Marcy started out my VP of marketing. Became my chief operating officer. Sure. We had conversations weekly mm-hmm. on where does she need to go? Where does she want to go? Where are her strengths? You know, she used to say, I, well, I always want to be a, a CMO. And I'm like, I don't think that's it. Your strength is a cheap. You know, she was just phenomenal. And the more I saw her, the more we talked, the more we trusted one another. Because I would say this, even, even if I stepped out of the way, if she wasn't empowered to do her job, she wasn't. She would. She wouldn't have been successful. Yeah. So all those factors had to come in. Here's what I would tell you: if I, if I would, if I was coaching somebody, I would say, "What do you think is going to drive the value of this company the most?" Mm. And start working through that. And and I realized when I went through that that kind of uh, uh, exercise yeah. that it wasn't just about me. It took a lot of people to drive the value of the company. So yeah, uh, let me pick up a couple things there. So again, Lee, thanks for the call. Um, I think um, getting really clear on role. Um, so what role are you asking them to do? Right. Uh, clear expectations. Um, what competence do they need? What's their decision-making ability? Where does it stop? When does it need to come to the CEO? When does it need to, right. to go? Uh, John used this term a lot, uh, sandbox. You know, so right. own your sandbox, but don't own somebody else's sandbox, but know how our sandboxes connect to each other. Right? right. Well, I tell you, a great example was Richard Hammer was our VP of tech. Mm-hmm. Jacob was our chief product officer. And Marcy was our chief operating officer. They owned the vision and what was being built in our company, right? Yeah. And each one of them had a, a sandbox on that funnel. Right. So it wasn't like uh, we have to have a kumbaya moment at all times. Jacob had his part of his ownership. J- Richard had his part of his ownership. And Marcy had hers. And they respected each other very much at each level. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's what really helped us drive. Tom owned the finance. Right. You know, we, we owned different things. How about this? The last two years, no one came and asked me for a raise. Oh, wow. They went to, or can I give can I give employees raises? Right. Right? They went to Tom. He's right. a CFO. Mm-hmm. Or or, the, or I had conversations. My favorite conversation was, how can I talk to Tom to get him to, to <laughs> get him to get my, get, to, to add more in my budget? And we'd have that conversation. Oh, you know how Tom thinks. Now you have to work this, you know. Right. So everybody had their sandbox. It was so well defined. Right. Yeah, a couple uh, thoughts to, to build on as well for the folks that are trying to have that kind of conversation with their folks. Um, John's talked about this, but know your strengths. Know you your know. strengths. And so John was very comfortable with conflict on the team. Not all people will be. Look, you know, Jeff Smith as a CEO, uh, I can embrace conflict, but sometimes, uh, you know, I hesitate a little bit with it. But I've got people on my team that are great at So being able to know what the roles on the team Embracing your strengths. Right. Neither John or I will be the most organized dude in the world ever, but I know that John surrounded himself, like with a Marcy, that could really think through a process and go through that. Oh, right? Absolutely. Right. I wouldn't have been successful. At the level we were, here's what I would say. This is what's really key, and I hope people uh, understand. I would not have been successful without all of them. Right. As a full. That's right. Think of them as a f- the, the, the full pieces to the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Right. Without missing one of Richard Hammer out. We're missing that piece. Right. Marcy out. Mm-hmm. We're missing Tom. It took that whole piece, but sitting down and realizing I can't be before all of you out there feel you're the whole piece. Right. Right. I hate to break it to you. Right. You're just one little piece of that puzzle. It doesn't mean you're not in the puzzle. You're just a, a small piece of it. Well, and you know, I think there's also that hard decision of <clears throat> for folks that are growing. Um, you guys went 
the, the management team that you had at 23 employees is not the management team no, you had at 94. Right, right. You know, and so can you talk a little about that a little bit too? Yeah. Because, you know, these were people that were loyal. Oh, as you said, they ran through walls. Yeah. These good, people, good people, 20 hour days, man. Yeah. These people. But what happened was, and if I could go back in time, I'd almost prepare them as I would my executive team. I'd prepare these employees mm. to say, as we're growing, you're not going to make it with us right. if you're not willing to change and adjust. Right. We never had that conversation. Mm-hmm. So I had these great employees at 23. In fact, if uh, 23 employees, probably half of them uh, would have been great if we just stayed at 23. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But once we went beyond that, they didn't want to come with us. Entitlements start coming in. All, all these right. all these different things. We start seeing uh, more talent uh, on our end. And the people feel shunned. Hey, wait a minute. I mean, I've been, I've been killing myself for you guys. You know? What I'm saying is this, the mistake we made, if I could go back in time, is have a more honest, deeper conversation with all those employees, just not managers, just not VPs or whatever. I mean, everybody has a great title in the beginning. And (laughs) if I could tell everybody, uh, if I could give anybody advice, don't give anybody a title for two years just because you're going to have to change the title. That's right. I think Jacob Gibson changed the title like 31 times (laughs) in, in 10 years. But if I could go back in time to 23 to 46 to 65, to 90, mm-hmm. and I'm sure past that. It changes every time, and you have to be willing to understand some people aren't going to make it. How can you be honorable, unselfish, and generous to those employees to find them the next job, to give them a good chance to, to be successful, whether it's in a different position in your company? Um, you just have to sit down and work through that, but they're not, I can tell you right now, um, uh, there's just some people who are obstinate. They're not going to go with you, and that's okay. That's a choice, but just uh, my advice to you, we tried to be honorable to him and try to figure out how can we help you get to whatever the next next phase of your life is. Okay, John. I'm going to shift gears just a little bit. We've got about two minutes before a break here. Um, this humility, um, John, you know, you can hear him. He's a humble leader. He gives a lot of credit to his three wise men, to his coaches, to, to his staff, right? Um were you always this humble, or is that a learned trait? And and was that important you know, in your leadership? Um, I would say in my twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, you talk about people in your life. Will Kramer. I was I was driving to be the greatest coach in the world. I worked for him. He was a head mm-hmm. football coach, Tucson High, and I was the dean of the freshmen. I, I always a rising star. He sat me down one day and just said, and this is when I was about 30 years old, and he just said, you're not going to amount to anything with all this talent mm-hmm. because you're just running over people to get to the to get things done, to make yourself look good. And you're always right. You're never wrong. You're not listening, right? Yeah. And it was the first time in my life I actually listened to it. And I thank, I thank God that Will Kramer gave me that conversation. Right after that, I met my wife, Mary. Mm-hmm. I was ready to be married uh, in a sense. I had failed at marriages before this. And I was ready to be a good husband. I was ready to be a leader in my family. I was ready for all those things. Um, but no, I was never humble in my 20s. I was the greatest. I knew everything. No, but I had an answer for everything. That's my red flag to everybody out there. When somebody has an answer to everything and they just don't say, I don't know, I don't have that answer, that's a red flag to me. That was me at age 21 to 29 uh, and a half. And um, I, I was humbled that day to realize I looked up and I literally said to him, you know, people really look at me this way. Mm-hmm. And he said, absolutely. And I worked really hard for the next 15 years to change that. That's great. So um, what I hear from that, John, is, um, A, we're on a learning journey. So we, mm-hmm. we have to be open to feedback. Um, one thing I really respect about John is his ability to seek out advisors to, uh, whether that's Mary, his wife, to uh, his kids uh, that, that give him feedback, to employees, to advisors. 
don't stop learning. You know, people oh, are yeah. really, you know, the way that you'll grow and learn is seeking this feedback and not having to be the smartest guy in the room. So when we come back from break, uh, we're going to hit on uh, sort of a wrap up a few of John's takeaway lessons uh, so that you can go back and apply them in your organization. So we'll be right back in two minutes. Thanks. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at voltageleadership.com. Now back to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. Welcome back. I am here today with John Hagmeyer. John is the former CEO of Interact Achievement and is currently a CEO of Commonwealth, a uh, private equity group investing in businesses. Uh, John has been just sharing a wealth of knowledge with us today. Uh, and so, John, one of the things I want to talk about, we'll, we'll kind of hit the last segment here, will be mostly about summarizing key lessons. But one thing that I know about the culture um, was it was a fun culture, too. Right, I mean, you right, guys right, worked right. hard. Been a great time. Can you just maybe, you know, give us a few of your cool things that you had <laughs> from March Madness uh, to... Uh, yeah, Christmas party, yeah. Yeah. So, so probably uh, one of the def- uh, two defining things that we did, March Madness. Um, so everybody in the company had to put a sheet in, and, and, and if you beat your – so the rule we had was on Thursday and Friday, noon to 5, uh, you weren't allowed to work. We bought TVs, put them in every room. You had to watch basketball So this games. is to watch the basketball Yeah, yeah, yeah. We weren't allowed to work. We punish you if you work. That was it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so uh, if you beat your uh, boss, you got an extra day of vacation. Sweet. If you beat me, you got an extra day. Uh, but one of the fun things we did, we catered in a both days. Uh, we went around with a wheel of cash, and if you answered it, uh, some employees went up to 250 bucks. Wow. It's really funny. I told I told my, my Tom Oz and I were talking one day. I said on two days of giving away all this cash to all these employees, 
think we spent about $2,000. I said, are you joking? These two employees are so happy right now, right. you know, because I got a, a $50 bill or whatever. We do that. But at the end, uh, the one who won, the, uh, we had two things. We had the WWE. We found a w- one of my employees used to be a wrestler, so we found a WWE belt, had it made, and... Uh, the person who won uh, them and their significant other went on a four-day, three-day des- destination unknown. They had no idea where they were oh, going. Wow. They had 13 letters. They'd open up the first one and say, go to the Roanoke Airport, put your credit card in when you land, open up letter two. And they did that for, for three or four days. Wow. They had no idea where they are going to go. And so <laughs> awesome. we had that fun. And our Christmas party was just out of control. We spent a lot of money on it. Mm-hmm. We invested it. And it's just, it, for us, it's just an investment into our culture, investment in our employees. We would do a, a video every year. Uh, our staff would put together this massive video. The last video you did was 23 take or 23 different sets we had to build. It was crazy. I mean, it was just over the top. Started in October building that video. It was right. so important, you know. Um, and we were just uh, we had uh, I would tell you just an incredible massive party and celebration and mm-hmm. of each other, all our successes for the years and uh, or that year. And so that type of culture. Um, they had game. We had a, a different game. We shut down work from 11 to 12 in the day where people we would have uh, uh, Olympic games going on of some they come up with Jackie would come up with uh, or she'd get employees involved we really put it in power to employees to be leading the culture that's right and then I would say the other big thing that we did is we gave back to our community and we expected that yeah you want to talk about you know the ability to sort of lead the office and, and get yep. volunteer in the so during the day we expected our employees during at least one hour a week during the work day to be tutoring students to be working at a homeless shelter some whatever whatever was close to their heart we didn't care right. we didn't we didn't make we didn't say you have to go do this right uh, that was led by my wife mary at the beginning so that was from the day one and that was a big part of our culture to say we want you to give back we talk about being honorable and selfish and generous here's what i'm gonna tell you all when you define your culture you have to live breathe it every day mm-hmm. you can't just on the hard decisions you know uh, not do it because it's it's hard you have to do it and so that's what we did yeah, so uh, I, I think what I appreciated watching this uh, story unfold was it, it's not like there was, a, uh, yes, they had a, a, a Atari games upstairs and there's this nice atrium and all that. There's cornhole. That's not the important thing. It was the bonding that happened in people. these conversations. Relationships. Right? These right. relationships. Yep. And when people came in, it sold itself because People were actually standing around having conversations, right. and they were engaged in things, and you'd see them in the community. You'd right. see them playing on a softball team. So for the folks in the organization say, well, we might not have the money for all that kind of stuff, there's always money for relationships. It, it's right. called, you know, you're going to have lunch anyway. Yeah, the ROI on that was crazy. Right. And crazy, so crazy. don't overly stress about something corporate is not allowing you to mm-hmm. do that. You know, take somebody out to lunch on your own dime right. or, you know, just go, you know, sit in a conference room and get to know each other right. a little bit because it's mm-hmm. about relationships. Um John, you know, if you had to, to summarize, you know, thinking back about your career here at Interact Achievement, going from being a school teacher and a coach mm. all the way through CEO that sold a company, you know, if you were to sort of wrap up with maybe three things that, that we should take away from your journey, hmm. you know, what, what would be some of those things? Uh, number one, no, you don't know. Okay. Uh, if, if, if you want to get better, you want to grow into a role like that, um, uh, you have to know you don't know and seek out wisdom. Okay. Um, and so if you know you don't know, you're normally going to listen to that wisdom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so start, oh, to listen to. Yeah, you have oh, to listen man. to. Do not just seek. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 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 once again, I would say the other lesson I said it before is uh, ideas don't generate revenue. People generate revenue. Right. Yeah. You guys right now on your idea list that everybody's creating out there for the next big thing in your company. 
company and that it won't matter if your staff can't go out and passionately be involved in it, make it the greatest thing ever, and then they'll sell that mm-hmm. all day. Um, and I would say the third thing is um, learn how to trust if you can't learn how to trust, you're never going to get your company to the next level mm-hmm. because there's just the, there's there's a low ceiling to that. Everybody individually on their own trying to get your company to where they want to get to because you know what? I get the glory. I get all of this. I I, I, I am the center. I, 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 I. Um, if you can't learn how to trust, uh, I would say when you do, let me say it, let me say it in a positive way. When you do learn how to trust, um, it, it, you're, you're going to see astronomical growth. Well, those are all fantastic. You know, one that we hit on early that I think is important, I'd like to revisit, is this fail fast, fail often, but not the same failure twice. Right, 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 right. right. You know, so we just touched on that right before a break, and, uh, you know, I don't think it gave it due real justice. You know, why is that concept important? And, I, you know, as a young leader or maybe as a, as a leader in a mid-level organization, mm-hmm. I, uh, we can't afford a lot of failure, you mm-hmm. know, so... Right. Why are you telling us to fail? Because you can't afford not to fail. Oh, okay. Because if, if, you, if you're not failing, you're not growing, you're not getting better, you're not getting to the next level, whether it's your product, whether – like if you put a perfect beta out, mm-hmm. that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's terrible. <laughs> if everybody came back and go, wow, this really worked. Well, wait a minute here. We, we want it to fail. We want to see what's wrong. We want to see in the hard situation stretching it. You yeah. know, think of it from a product standpoint. Your people are a product. Okay. They're the product of you guys. And so let them fail, stretch them, give them the opportunity to stretch. That's another thing we don't do. We, we put the barrier, the protective barriers up the, or just barriers to not even let them, allow them to, to fail. Just a great, really quick thing. We, uh, um, we're driving in the car, my COO, my CFO and I were driving and we were doing a big launch. That day, and I said, "We're not launching during the school day." And she, and my CEO said, "No." Marcy said, "No, we're going to do it at four. And we launched at two thirty, and it crashed everything. Oh, no. Kids couldn't test, and 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 Amy Robertson was one of our top leaders, and she's still growing. Uh, uh, she calls Marcy, and we're on the phone in the car. And I said, oh, my gosh. I said, Marcy, ask her why she did that. And, and it was the greatest answer ever. And she said, well, John told me to fail the day before. And I failed, so we'll never do it again. And I said, that was the greatest answer ever. That was awesome. And it's true. And, and, and what was great is Amy didn't feel like, did, am I going to lose my job today? Right. right? Sure. She, yeah, it was a mistake. She said, hey, made the mistake. She never made it again, and that's that's what you want with people, right. you know. Let, let them make mistakes. It's, it's all right. If they make the same mistakes over and over again, that's where you have your problem. Let them fail. Let them make mistakes. Let them grow. And if you're going to do that, you're, you're going to have a great culture running around in your company. John, it was a real honor having you here today. So. Yeah, thank you. really yep. enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks yeah. for doing it. Yeah, if anybody ever needs to follow up, I, I, I'm always – Always open to help anybody anywhere. I love doing that. So I'm, well, thank I'm you, John. So, like we referred to earlier, John uh, and myself and, and Dr. Bill Long and Russ Ellis, we're, we're writing a book together about the journey. So stay tuned. Look at you know sort of January, February type of launch, and we'll have John back on to to extrapolate a few more of the lessons. Um, a few things that I'd want to make sure you heard was you know John hired the great talent. He worked hard. This was not an easy journey. But he had uh, sort of the grit and the willingness to go in there and do it. So don't hear that this was easy. Hey, work hard. Mm-hmm. Surround yourself with really great people and go get some feedback. Build some relationships. Have the right attitude and you can be successful. Next week on the show, we're going to have Carl Wilson. Cara and I have done work together at the Cleveland Clinic uh, doing serving leaders. So we're going to talk about how do you build and uh, grow serving leaders. 
um, and she's now at Tableau and hearing about what are some of the things that she's doing uh, in leadership space. So again, Carl will be with us next week. So thanks for joining us today on Volcast Illuminating Leadership. Uh, again, we'll be back next week uh, at uh, two o'clock. Excuse me, at one o'clock Eastern uh, on Voice America. Uh, you can reach me at area code five four seven. Five four zero seven nine eight one nine six three at Jeff at VoltageLeadership.com and our website is VoltageLeadership.com. You've been listening to Illuminating Leadership. Thank you again, John, and we will see Thank you Jeff. next week. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. Please join your host, Jeff Smith, again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll discuss another engaging topic next week.